It's Monday. But as always, we're here to make it a little bit better. We start this episode by discussing the latest in Stillwater with Mike Gundy and the internal investigation done by Oklahoma State. We then continue our recruiting re-rank where we look at past recruiting classes and re-rank the top five recruits from that class. And today we move to the loaded 2016 class. Then we wrap it up with a two-part recruiting segment. First, we start by discussing the commitment of two of the biggest recruits in the country. And we ended off on another 2021 recruiting update. And today we go down and look at the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm sure Brandon is hyped to do that segment. We have a full show today, guys. So let's kick it off. We're starting in Stillwater again, and Oklahoma State, uh, just to update you guys, launched in a multiple week-long review of the athletic department and the football program after head, Mike, head coach Mike Gundy was implicated in a series of reports which painted the coach in, I guess the best terms to put it, is a very negative light. And the results of that investigation are here. According to the review, Gundy need, um, according to the university, Gundy needs to invest more time in building stronger relationships with his players. But the review did not find any signs or indications of racism. In in light of this, Gundy's contract was reduced one year, and he received a one million dollar um, like decrease in his salary. Uh, and this report said that it was his idea to do that. So Brandon, does an internal review satisfy you on this issue? And do you think we've seen the, the, the end of the turmoil in Stillwater? No, look, I I don't think we've seen the end of it by any means. I think this is kind of sort of, I mean, this has got to be just the beginning of it. And this is exactly what coach Gundy wanted, right? He wanted an internal review where it's his own guys looking at the system from the inside, you know, looking at it from their perspectives, looking at it probably from his perspective, being like, you know what, maybe if I have some kind of punishment, then maybe all this will just, uh, it'll be swept under the rug. We'll continue on as planned. I get paid a little bit less, but, um, and my contract gets shortened, which is a weird thing to me. I, I don't see how that's really a punishment because you know, maybe keeping your contract but taking a pay cut, like the length but the pay cut, like that would make more sense to me. That way you're stuck there for this long. Either that or you get fired. I, I mean, just don't shorten the contract because, I mean, are they really not going to re-up on Mike Gundy? What do you, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, so like I was waiting for, I was waiting for, you know, for this. Barry Trammell of the Oklahomans suggested that Oklahoma State did look into firing Mike Gundy when all this came out. But some of the boosters, um, there's been some speculation, but some of the boosters apparently did not want to pay, I believe it's the $17 million buyout that Gundy currently possesses. So it kind of made them hesitant. And 
I, and pretty much based on what everyone's reporting, it was the buyout the re, is the reason why Gundy's here. And then other reporters have suggested that many boosters would be mad because it's Oklahoma and they agree with Gundy's position on this. So uh, personally, I don't think it's over. I mean, especially when you have boosters, contributors and stuff that are reportedly not willing to either pay the buyout or they support the coach and they're just trying to just like kind of stay out of the limelight because a good point was made by like as much as, you know, we don't like quoting too many other people. I mean, Skip Bayless reported who is from Oklahoma, who is reported on Oklahoma, Oklahoma state football has said that um, as we've seen around college football, I mean, Auburn fired Gene Chiswick after winning the national championship and paid an outrageous buyout. Willie Taggart from Florida state got, his buyout was paid and his buyout was higher than 17 million as well. So if these boosters and universities want coaches gone, they're willing to pay these high prices. So why wouldn't Oklahoma state want to pay the high price when this has to do with something deeper than just not performing on the field? Yeah. And I don't know when it comes to having this like tattered relationship with your players, how does that, how does that fly? You know, I, I get the payout thing and maybe the reduced contract, you know, maybe the reduced salary and reduced contract length was kind of a step in the direction of firing Gundy, maybe later down the line. Maybe this is like his second to last straw or something. Um, this way, maybe their buyout's a little bit less. Uh, I'm not sure. But, man, you, you have to have a relationship with your players. And if you don't have that, then I don't understand how you stay on as the head coach of the football program. Especially because, Brad, I don't know if you heard, I don't know if our listeners have known, OAN, which is the shirt that that started all this that Gundy was wearing, did you know that OAN sent Gundy merchandise for his support? No, I didn't know that. And so, yeah. So, okay. and... Uh, so if you had to put so Brandon, you know, we do the betting segment during the season, b- bad beats. Um, and so I got to ask, over under, does Gundy have over a thousand Oklahoma State shirts or under a thousand Oklahoma State shirts? I mean, you're telling me there's not one Oklahoma State shirt that he could have wore. And to make things worse, when he went fishing, Brandon, one of the people that went on the fishing trip with him was a reporter for CBS. So yeah, so you had to know that a picture was most likely going to be posted on social media, right? Yeah, here's a, here's a nice little spend zone for Mike Gundy, though. If if I can, I don't really want to defend him, but if you know, if I had to defend him, say I was his lawyer, um, when I go fishing, I usually wear the shirts that I try to ruin. Like uh, you don't want to wear like a nice shirt that you want to keep. You want to wear a shirt that maybe you want to get dirty and tattered, something like that. I don't know. Maybe, let's spin this, Mike Gundy. If, if you're listening right now, I'm. I'm trying to save your job. Oh, his job is saved. I don't think, and like you said, I think, I I really just think that Oklahoma State feels like they can't move off of him. And as sad as that might be, I I think it's, I think that's what's going on here. I mean, Brandon, if you look at the, college football landscape, who, who, who does Oklahoma State turn to? You have, you have probably the most, loaded team since what 2012 minimum and what coach that you realistically can get do you trust to take this loaded team into the season and try to really make a run at the big 12 yeah i mean there's no one Uh, if you're oklahoma state you don't really go up from mike gundy that's that's kind of the peak for you which is 
you know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's it's something. I mean, he's a good football coach. I'll, I'll give him that. But I don't know the the whole relationships with your players thing that 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 rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm I'm not going to look at Mike Gundy in the same light. No, I mean, like we talked about last episode, in case you guys don't remember, Gundy was struggling to learn people's name, uh, continuing practices after a player, literally, his heart literally stopped on the field, and Gundy showed no sympathy, even got his name wrong, calling him, um, I believe it was Nate Diaz, which is a MMA fighter. So it's it's a long line of things, and especially because just recently I, I, was, read, I was kind of reading up on this segment, and OAN released a report calling Black Lives Matter a hoax and all this stuff. So, I mean, I think things got to get worse, especially as OAN sending him merchandise, making statements like that. And uh, I just, I don't see how, uh, if Gundy doesn't win the Big 12 this year, I think, because that buyout is going to significantly decrease. I I think they're going to have to move off of them. And it's a shame. And I just, this whole situation just, it was handled wrong by so many people because i mean brandon how did you take an internal investigation seriously what did you what did you think they were going to come back with they were just going to come back and snitch on themselves and be like oh we did all this stuff wrong we are so sorry or do you think they're going to sweep some the bigger stuff under the rug and just give some crumbs to the public no you're absolutely right i mean that's and that's how i started the segment off there an internal investigation does nothing but I don't really know if they had the power to pull like outside investigators into this. Um, I mean, not only do they not, not only maybe they don't have the power, but also why would they want to do that? You know, like you said, like, like why would you want to go snitching yourself? That doesn't make a lot of sense, but I don't know, man. It, it, it seems like a, like a nice gesture, but it's, it, it's also just, they're doing it so they can say that they did it. It's it's like getting a gift in Secret Santa and then just like re-gifting it to someone. It's like <laughs> it's like yeah. like I, I guess like the thought was like somewhat there, but like for like no one's valuing what you did. I don't think I don't think anyone. So personally, I don't think anyone who had a problem with what happened at Oklahoma State is sitting there today being like, I'm really really pleased that they did the internal investigation and now I'm just gonna forget it. And. No. I, I personally don't think there's any way anyone today is saying that Oklahoma State handled this appropriately. And uh, and what's going to happen during the season when everything is back into the spotlight? Who knows? And it, we so the thing that gets me is the repeated nature of these things. So, I mean, in the 80s, you have him calling other players on other teams derogatory racial terms, right? So that's, the, that's number one. Two... Now he's doing all this stuff with players, wearing an OAN shirt, and he's saying that he didn't know. And Mundy's like Gundy's on the record, guys. You can look it up, saying that the reason he likes OAN is because they present the real news right down the middle, and they don't prefer either side of the aisle. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and and then in his statement, he said that he was sorry. He called himself a. We can't cuss on the podcast, but he called himself a dumb. You know what? for wearing the shirt saying that he was uneducated and he was taken aback by their stance. But if you're so engulfed in that network and those, they're sending you merchandise and stuff like that, how did you not know what was being reported? No, I mean, well, I still don't know if he knows that, that what that shirt represented or what some people thought that shirt represented. But, um, 
I'm sure someone told him like, Hey, you should probably apologize for this. And I think that's what happened. I think he heard someone else tell him, Hey, you should probably apologize for this safe face. And he took their advice and he probably, I mean, that's probably why, or that's probably why he gave like such an empty apology like he did. Yeah, it it it. Uh, I you know I, I don't want to say he wasn't genuine, but I didn't get any sense of like real regret in yeah, the apology. Yeah. Just personally, if I had to give my two cents on that, but guys, we're gonna go ahead and move on to a a lighter segment, back more on the football field, and it's our re rank um each recruiting class segment, and it's a newer segment. Brandon and I re ranked the past recruiting classes starting 2013. We've done a few of these. Go back and check out. Some of our most recent episodes, and we just to reiterate this, we only reanalyzed the top 100 recruits, and we picked the new top five players from each class based on only their college year performance. And this episode, we're moving to 2016. It was headlined by Rashawn Gary and Dexter Lawrence. Um, both had really, really respectful college careers, to say the least. I mean, Lawrence is a national champion. Gary got stuck up in Michigan with the with the most overrated coach in college football history. And we're going to start with this, Brandon. We're going to snake it again, go in reverse order. So who is your number five recruit in this class? Yeah, so Zach, you're going to be delighted to hear this. Um, I actually used the 247 composite this time, and not just Atta 247. So you you should be proud of me. Um, I'm I'm trying to improve myself every single episode. Uh, so with my number five player in the class of 2016, um, I have I have Florida State commit Malik Henry. Uh, last chance, you? No, not really. I was, but, say, I was about to just <laughs> I was about to just leave the podcast. That was it. I was I was turning in my two weeks. I was out. Yeah. Okay. Malik Henry. Um. No. N- maybe. Maybe not him. Uh. I don't even know. I think he left Nevada again. So he's just, yeah, he has I, I no think team. He did, cause, he's teamless. Yeah. Cause he, he lost the starting job. Yeah. He lost the starting job, but I don't think he actually walked off till January. This isn't the Malik Henry segment, by the way, this is uh we're, we're actually going to talk about these players. So with my number five and it may be a little controversial. I don't know. I, I don't think it should be. I think he had one good year and it's like my worst nightmare for what Joe Burrow could turn out to be. But I think that one good year earned him a spot on this list. We, I've got Dwayne Haskins here. Um, Dwayne Haskins, he only played two seasons at, at Ohio State. Um, he redshirted, played two seasons, and then went on to uh, went on to play for the Washington Redskins, if you can say that he played for them. Um, he did something. He's on the field. But over this one season that I want to talk about, his sophomore season at Ohio State, uh, I mean, he had he had a 70% completion percentage. He passed for nearly 5,000 yards. He had 4,831 yards uh, passing, 50 passing touchdowns, and only eight interceptions over the span of the season. Um, I mean, that one season was just incredible. I mean, Zach, I know you remember the 2018 football season and how how Dwayne Haskins, I mean, he didn't win the Heisman that year, but he, he was definitely in the running. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I think that he at least uh, deserved some sort of recognition for that. Yeah, I mean – Really and truly, if it wasn't for Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa putting up probably two of the best seasons that we've ever seen, I mean, Haskins probably runs away with the Hosman. That's absolutely true. And I think that if, if Haskins would have done a little bit more on his feet, um, then we would have seen him being taken more seriously in that conversation. Uh, and speaking of that... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you can't really talk about Dwayne Haskins being a mobile quarterback in any sense of the word because over his college career, 
Um, let's just talk about only his sophomore year, like I did for passing. Uh, he had 79 rush attempts for 108 yards total, Zach. That's <laughs> 1.4 yards per carry. He scored four touchdowns. I don't really know how he did that. He barely ran for the length of the football field. But, um, yeah, I think that if maybe he would have averaged, let's say, three yards a carry, then he might have been actually in uh, Heisman talks that year. Kyler Murray, though, just had an insane year. And so I don't know if you could have taken that away from him. You couldn't have. I mean, I don't know. Like, I have Haskins on my list. Should I go ahead and just build off of you? Um, well, where is, it depends on where he's at. I mean, if he's four or five, then sure. But if not, then just run with it. Just roll with it. All right. Well, we'll run with it. He's he's a little higher for me. Um, at number five for me, I have Mac Wilson, um, Alabama linebacker. He was originally the 16th ranked recruit. And so, Brandon, I don't know if you had problems with this class. I did. Um, I had a lot of players who had one or two good years, but like very few that just put together four dominant years. Um, yeah. There was a lot of players who struggled with injury, different off the field things, went to the wrong school, went to the draft too early. And I mean, I think Wilson is a player I really enjoyed watching, but I believe the system in Tuscaloosa that he played in really overshadowed him. And I think he was one of those players that left for the NFL a year too early. And I, I know Nick Saban, Echoes my sentiments on him. He called out Mac Wilson for leaving too early. He said he should have came back for another year, and it was very public, and Mac Wilson responded. It got a little bit ugly there. It was one of the first times you saw Saban in a player clash like this. Um, Wilson was only a full start, full-time full starter for one year, but saw action in over eight games all three years in Tuscaloosa, and his sophomore season was probably his best impactful season where he had four interceptions returned one for a touchdown and his freshman season left a lot to be desired but Brandon Alabama system unless you're two unless you're two of uh Mika Fitzpatrick Jalen Hurts I mean freshmen rarely contribute in Alabama system especially on defense I mean Mika Fitzpatrick is one of the only ones I remember really impacting his during his freshman season but his final season Wilson put up over 65 tackles, two interceptions, five passes defended. They're decent stats, but this list for me, I think out of my five players, four of them are defensive players. So oh, yeah. I, I think Wilson is really, really good. He deserves the number five ranking for me, but these other defensive players on the list above him played had more than one full season and put up way more impressive stats. And guys, listen, I, I'm not here to roast Mac Wilson because he was really good. He was athletic, dynamic, had a lot of potential, but I don't think his potential ever was fully found in Tuscaloosa just due to the sheer amount of talent that he has to compete with. I mean, to shine in Alabama system, you have to be a stud, guys. And I think if Mac Wilson goes and plays somewhere else, I think he could have wound up higher, but I just think there was too much talent that overshadowed him in Tuscaloosa. And that moves to my number four player, a player who should be number one on this list based on pure potential and talent, but he just never put it together. And I have a bone to pick with him, so bear with me. And that's Nick Bosa from Thank Ohio you, State. Thank uh, you, Zach. What's up? Is he number four for you? He's not on my list. Oh, okay. Um, wow. But yeah, he's my number four player. He was originally number eight. And the Bosa family tree shows up again. But this Bosa comes with some baggage that keeps him lower on my list. I almost didn't have him on here, but I just thought even the other players in this recruiting class, I couldn't put on this list. And 
he dominated in 2017. That's an understatement probably. Um, and his, his 2018, he injured himself in game three and decided to leave the program to rehab and prep for the NFL draft. And for me, I think this decision really puts a, a huge asterisk on his career. And I thought it was weak and selfish, man. I really do. And usually I'm all for players doing what they need to do. But even if you're not going to play, right? Even if you're just going to tell the coaches, hey, I don't want to get hurt any worse. But you at least have to stick with your team, man. I mean, you abandon your team, your university that gave you so many opportunities to really shine and show your true potential. You're just going to dip and not not stick with them through, you know, through the season and that that team finished fifth in the play in the past in the last playoff rankings and almost made the playoffs and you're just gonna not care and just not be on the sidelines with them not be at practice don't do things with them even though you didn't have to necessarily be on the field and play I just thought it was one of the weakest moves of all time in my opinion and I think it spoke a lot to his character as a player and that's just my opinion you can disagree but um, I think it put a real damper on his career. And the only reason I had him on here is because of how dominant he was when he was on the field. Um, I, I'm interested to see after this why Brandon didn't have him on the list. But, I mean, he played 29 games in his career, Brandon. And right. he still had 77 tackles. 29 of those were tackles for loss. 17 and a half sacks. Two forced fumbles. One return for a touchdown. He was top three in the Big Ten and tackles for loss and sacks in 2017. And he also, I think, was on the path to be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2018 because in three games, he already had like six sacks. No, you're absolutely right. He's he's just a monster. Yeah, he is. But to me, I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like you said, you know, he he left after that third game. And we saw what that what that season was going to be for him. You know, that season at that point through those, basically the two and a half games that he played, uh, he had 14 tackles. He had six tackles for loss. He had four sacks and then he just got up and left. And so that's why I'm taking the grain of salt. I mean, I'm going to look at it at face value. Like I'm looking at these other players and I just think that every other player that I have on this list did better things than he did. Um, I, I, like you said, potential, um, absolutely through the roof probably could have been number one on this list had he stayed and played his junior season um because i mean it was going to be historic i mean i already said the stats through two and a half games it would have been insane to see you know what he could have truly done that season um and it was hard for me because at first when i first made my list i was like all right nick bosa i had him at number two there was one player that i just thought was too dominant like he would never surpass him in my in my Uh, personal opinion um but then i moved him down to three and then by the time this segment started i had him at number four and then while while like right after i picked my first player i thought about it and i just took him off my list altogether so now i've got a new list um so with my number four pick right now i'm gonna move on um i'm gonna keep it on the offensive side of the ball this last offensive player that i have actually um, but I have Jonah Williams at Alabama, uh, offensive tackle. I don't have any stats to read for you because he's an offensive lineman. But <laughs> it's like he, was, <laughs> he had this many pancakes, and yeah, no, but he, I mean, he was just truly dominant. Um, Alabama always has dominant offensive linemen, and Jonah Williams was probably—I mean, he probably headlined um, 
the time that he was at Alabama, the time that he was in Tuscaloosa. Um, in 2018, he was a consensus All-American, but that's all I got on him. So, yeah, uh, Jonah Williams at number four for me. Um, and moving on to number three, I have the number one player in the 247 composite that this year um, in Rashawn Gary. Uh, I think Rashawn Gary, over his career at Michigan, did an absolutely incredible job. Um, you know, he was number one in the 247 composite. He was actually number one, I think, I want to say across 247 ESPN and rivals. I'm not positive, though. I think he was. Um, but over his career, I mean, he had 119 total tackles. 57 of those are, are solo tackles. Uh, 23 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. I mean, this is as a defensive lineman. I mean, he played his freshman season as a defensive end, but most of his career, he was a defensive lineman. Obviously, he, he dealt with injuries as well um, at Michigan, but that didn't stop him from being just as dominant as people thought he was going to be going into college. Uh, I don't know, man. I didn't have Gary on the list. He was my number six player. Um, I just, I just, I don't know. I guess it was because of the perception that he was the number. He was, I believe, the consensus number one player in this class for everybody. And I just, I don't think he ever lived up to it. I really don't. It could have been that he was stuck up there in Michigan and that team never really accomplished much, but he just never seemed to pop off the screen for me. I, I don't, I don't know why. I just have this like weird, Thing with Rashawn Gary that I just feel like he never lived up to his potential. I mean, he came yeah. in and people were like, "This is going to be the next star. This this guy's going to do this, that, all the you know. He's going to be the best player in the country." I don't think he ever was. I don't think he was even a top ten player in the country. Wow. Okay. It's and you know for number three, we're going to stick in the Big Ten, Brandon. It's your boy Dwayne Haskins, and. You know, I think I personally, I think Haskins would have had to be number one if he had one more year of what he did in 2018. If well, he yeah. comes back and puts up those stats again, he's going to be number one. But only one year, um, fully starting and only eight games in his in in, in the season before is is not enough to be number one here because the two players I have above him dominated for three to four years and. But for me, that 2018 season, man, will go down as probably one of the most impressive seasons that is not appreciated. And no one talks about it. Everyone's like, you saw Kyler Murray, you saw Tua, but Brent, I just want to list, I just want to list here the ranks that Haskins had in the major stats, Brandon. He was second in the NCAA in pass completions. That was first in his conference. Fourth in completion percentage, first in his conference. He was number one in the country and the Big Ten in pass yards and pass touchdowns. And fourth in the NCAA, first in his conference in passing efficiency rating. I mean, that's unbelievable. And it's a shame that that team didn't make the college football playoff because that would have been amazing to see Haskins versus Tua versus Kyler Murray in the playoffs that season. It would have been, and I would have been one of the most fun college football playoffs of all time because I don't think I, I, I think one of those teams I think I don't know man because that at Oklahoma they there's so many good teams in that playoff man because I don't know who you would replace because oh man that's tough I, that'd be another segment like who should have made the playoffs that year but I mean he was the Big Ten player of the year he won the Sammy Ball trophy to cap off an amazing season a season third in the Hosman voting if it wasn't for Kyler Murray and Tua and I think Haskins is probably going to go down as one of the most 
underrated and forgotten players of all time. I mean, Brent, if you ask people just because of what he did with the Redskins, they think he was a bum in college. Yeah, and he just wasn't like at all. No, I mean, Brent, he's he ranks first like all time in like passer rating, I believe, in in subway history. That's crazy. After one yeah, year, I mean, he was over seventy and a half percent completion. Oh no, I'm sorry, he was over seventy percent completion rating both of his years in college. That's nuts. It's, it's outrageous, man. But you know, I'm gonna move on to number two. I have two defensive linemen at one and two on my list. And Brandon, yeah. this my number two pick hits real close to home for me. There and we go. All right. It's probably the best Auburn defensive player I've ever watched, probably in Auburn history, and that's Derek Brown. He yep. was originally ninth. Brandon, you have him at two two? I sure do. I'm gonna go ahead and hop in on this with you. Let's get it. Um Man, three-year starter, but he played in most of the games as a true freshman. He just didn't start the way Auburn rotates defensive linemen is a little bit outrageous. But, um, you know, for – okay, so listen, guys. Um, Not all defensive linemen are created equally. Defensive tackles are not expected to have the same stats as edge rushers or outside outside defensive linemen. But – from the inside of the defensive line, 170 tackles, 33 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. At defensive tackle at 320 pounds, eight passes defended, four fumble recoveries, and five forced fumbles. For a defensive tackle, that is that is unreal, guys. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and I know there's somebody out there listening to this going, oh, you had Derek Brown, and I mean – you have to assume that we both have the same number one here too. Uh, but, but we have, these if, two if, guys. If, if, if we don't, I'm quitting the podcast. Absolutely. It, but, but we're going to have somebody out there going, Oh, you have them above Nick Bosa. You got to be kidding me. He's not shut up. Just turn the podcast off. We don't want you listening <laughs> anyway. Like, shut up. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, get, get, Turn turn off Apple Pod. Actually, you know what? If you're arguing this, you, you need to turn off Google Podcasts because we know what kind of person you are, and, and we don't need you listening to us anymore. You know, we love our we love all of our listeners, but not you. Um, Derek Brown was very dominant at, at Auburn over his four years, and I say four because even his freshman year, like he he, he didn't have like insane numbers that year, but. Um, he still had good numbers, and like Zach said, over the three years that he did start at Auburn, I mean, I mean, what did he have? He had he had 159 total tackles over those three years. Um, uh, he had 11 and a half sacks uh, as a defensive lineman, or and as a defensive tackle his senior year. More importantly, I mean, it's just I don't know. It, it, it was crazy to see him play, and he's he's almost who dethroned LSU this season, which is yeah, by himself. I right. mean. Joe Burrow, I promise you, if you ask him who was the least, who he wishes he would never have to play again on the defensive line, Clemson's got some good defensive linemen. Alabama does. I promise you, Derek Brown's name comes out of his mouth because Derek Brown was in Joe Burrow's face from the very first play of the game until the end of the game. I mean, there was multiple plays. And listen, we had an interview with Lloyd Cushenberry on this podcast at the Senior Bowl. Who who is in the NFL right now and will start? And Derek Brown took him into Joe Burrow and caused Cushenberry to sack Joe Burrow at one point. And Cushenberry was arguably one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country. And Brandon can speak to that because Derek Brown manhandled LSU's offensive line, and that 
they won the best offensive line award in the country this year. Yeah, uh, I personally don't think they were the best offensive line in the country this year. I think that was just circumstantial. But, but yeah, I, I mean, LSU had had an incredible interior offensive line, um, and Lloyd Cushenberry was a big part of that. And he he just looked kind of silly during that game. Um, <laughs> it's okay, man. Derek Brown made everyone everyone looked silly. I mean, he was a consensus All-American, won the Ronnie Lott Award, and was the 2019 SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Right, and that's why he was the best defensive lineman in the draft this year and the second best in his uh, recruiting cycle. Exactly. I mean, it, he was he was drafted second behind Chase Young. And right. Chase Young was an edge rusher. So he was the top interior defensive lineman. He was a unanimous pick for the best interior defensive lineman. And listen, guys, as an Auburn fan, I guess I could speak to this a little bit better. Um, Brown was consistently the best player on the field in the SEC when he was playing. And... Guys, if you don't remember how bad Auburn's defense was, just look up N- Nick Marshall in 2013 and how much Auburn had to score to win games. And uh, in the year against when they had Cam Newton, how how bad that defense was. I mean, Kevin Steele came in from LSU and really had to rebuild this Auburn defense. And Derek Brown was a building block for Kevin Steele in the one year Will Muschamp was there. Um, personally, listen, guys, this is, this is saying a lot. I would take another four years of Derek Brown over any Auburn player outside of Cam Newton. That's, and okay. that, 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 I say, that is saying a lot, but Derek Brown is the best defensive player that has ever played for Auburn. And uh, I will die on that hill. <laughs> this is the hill. This is the battle. I will not lose. This is this, this is where I'm standing my ground. We're loading up, and we can we can fight about it. And I know there's I know we're two guys from Southern Alabama, so a lot of our listeners are Alabama Auburn fans and just or SEC fans in general. And I promise you, Derek Brown's going to go down as one of the best defensive linemen in SEC history. And that's just how I feel. That's how Brandon feels. I know. And if you have a problem with this pick. You, you you can come debate us whenever you want. We are armed and ready with facts, <laughs> facts and logic only. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but and a little bit of heart. On, whatever. <laughs> but to continue on um, to the number one player in this recruiting cycle, Zach, we have to have the same guy. I sure hope we do. Or I'll also, I'll also quit. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about Dexter Lawrence a little bit. Oh no way! You don't have Dexter Lawrence as number one. Are you lying? How did how was it not Ed Oliver? No, it's Dexter Lawrence. Uh you can go first. I, I I'll go second. We'll, we'll we'll tear your argument from the inside out. Let's roll. I, I feel I feel like there's about to be a little bit of uh oh I don't know I, I feel I don't know I kind of feel awkward now. Um, <laughs> you talked cool. it up so much. <laughs> I did. I for sure thought we had the same guy here. You did not have you didn't have Dexter Lawrence in your top five. No. Were you and Dwayne Haskins and, and Nick Bosa? Yes, uh, absolutely. Dude, Ed Oliver made our all-decade team. How did how did he not make your top five here? Well, I didn't have him on my all-decade team. Oh. You had him on yours and he got voted in. I'll say that. Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, had better, Dexter Lawrence had better stats than Derek Brown did. He did. Just, Look it up. I, Over I don't, three I don't seasons. Think, I don't think Dexter Lawrence was the best defensive lineman for Clemson. That doesn't matter. He was. I think uh, he was the best one in this. I, I mean, I'll die on this hill, Zach. I mean, you die on the last hill. Over his career, over three seasons, Zach, he had 131 total tackles. 
Go run it, run it back. Look at Derrick Brown's stats. Over his three seasons, he had 18 tackles for loss and 10 sacks. I mean, he had a hidden interception, Zach. His junior season, this man had an interception, and he ran it back for a few yards. Uh, I mean, he, I think he was part of the best defensive line in college hey, football. Hey, 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 Talk about how did you say he had better stats than Derrick Brown when Derrick Brown had more tackles, more tackles for loss, more sacks. Over four more, years. More passes defended. Over four more, years. More more fumble recoveries, more forced Over four fumbles, years. Over four years. That Dexter Lawrence never even was All-American or anything. He doesn't even have any awards. Not a single one. Well, I mean, he flies under the radar, Zach. I mean, I'm just going with my heart here. Okay. He didn't fly under the radar. I didn't have to say that. I mean, he did have better stats. So that's not even debatable. He just did. Go look at the stats over three years, and you'll see. I mean, he was doing all this as a true freshman, a true sophomore, and a true junior. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't sit behind anybody for a year. I, you know, I, Brown did. I still feel good because Ed Oliver had more tackles, more tackles for loss, more sacks, more passes defended, more fumble recoveries, and more, and more forced fumbles too, and was a two-time consensus All-American. So I win this just based on the stats. Oh my God! Whatever. Go ahead, Zach. Tell us. Tell us why you picked Ed Oliver. For me, this this player may be the best defensive tackle alongside Aaron Donald and Adama Kinsu we've seen in our lifetime. And the only th- reason people forget about him is because he didn't play in the Power Five. He stayed home, played for his hometown team, Houston, and he would have dominated in any conference he played in. And he's just overlooked because of this. Brandon, in three years, Oliver had 190 tackles, 53 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, 11 passes defended, one fumble recovery, and five forced fumbles, all as a defensive tackle. Okay. He was I mean, easily, right. always he was always the best player on the field, especially in the AAC. And Brandon, he dominated the award season as well. He was the 2017 AAC Defensive Player of the Year, two-time consensus All-American, 2017 Outland Trophy Award winner. And he's top 20 in NCAA history for tackles for loss, which ranks first in AAC history. But I mean, Zach, you said it yourself. Yes, the AAC. He was playing against group of five opponents. He wasn't He was playing. a consensus uh, All-American two years. Oh, that's that, fine. That's, that's great. Nationally, that's nationally. That's compared to everyone from the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, wherever you want to go with it. it. Can, it can be compared to whoever you want it to be compared to, but he's, that doesn't change the fact that he's playing against the group of five. He's playing against opponents within the AAC. He's not playing an ACC and SEC, a Big Ten schedule. He's playing the University of Houston's football schedule. Uh, your, your point. I mean, he, he played Oklahoma, what, two of the three years that he uh, he was there? Yeah, he led them to victory. Is that I – mean, I don't think he did. Uh, yeah, he did. 2016, they beat Oklahoma by 10. Well, this is getting a little ridiculous now, Zach. <laughs> I'll just say it. If you want to get if you want to get specific, I mean, <laughs> technically he did beat Oklahoma. All right. Uh, fair enough. Point. And, point Zach. And in that, point Zach. And, At this point, it's like 17 no, to 1, Brandon. T- time out. And in that game against Oklahoma, he had seven tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and was, was second on his team in total tackles in that game. Zach, I mean, I'm I'm busy writing my resignation letter. So, I mean, continue. <laughs> tell, tell the people how you feel. Oh, man, this is tough. This is real tough. I mean, listen, you guys. You have Dexter Lawrence in your top five? 
No, I didn't. I, I really don't think he, I, I, if, if you're not even the best. So Derek Brown, Ed Oliver, and Nick Bosa were the best defensive players on the defense when they were playing. Dwayne Haskins led the instant play in, in literally everything. The only spot I could see, it was real tough between Mac Wilson, Rashawn Gary, and Dexter Lawrence. Those three were five through seven for me, and I really couldn't decide. I went with Mac Wilson because I feel like he was a better overall player and just got overshadowed with just the complexity and just the overall, just the Bama, I guess just the Bama talent pool that he had to play up against and had to try to shine against players like Mika Fitzpatrick and all these guys. And I just personally think Dexter Lawrence, he wasn't even, I think Christian Wilkins was much better than Dexter Lawrence. And I think even Clon Farrell was better than Dexter Lawrence. Go ahead and mark it down, guys. If you guys have, if you guys need a quote for anything, uh, they were the best defensive players on the defense at the time. That's a Zach McKinnell original. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, and really, truly, Ed Oliver was the best player on Houston's roster. I think, Derek Brown was the best player on Auburn's roster, and Nick Bosa at his sophomore year was probably the best player on on Ohio State's roster. Okay, I, I mean, I don't know about that, but okay. Uh, you, you could give me Ed Oliver and Derek Brown, right? I yes, I give you those. Nick Bosa, okay. I will never give you that. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll take it. But listen, guys, Oliver was on our all-decade team as defensive tackle and I think has an argument along with Aaron Donald and Dadama Kansu of being the best defensive defensive tackles since in, in this entire, was it two decades since 2000? I mean, these three guys dominated. And I think any it, for, for you not to have uh, Ed Oliver at number one is a little bit outrageous, in my opinion. Okay, uh, you can you can believe whatever you want, Zach. I, I think I have my reasons. Um, little shocked you didn't put Jacob Eason or Shea Patterson on this list, though. Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson was one A for me. Gotta love what? Mr. Patterson. Yeah. Yes, everybody, uh, everybody like, loves Shea. <laughs> you know, Jacob Eason was in my top ten. It was just like, man, like I don't know. I I, I feel like Eason. If he sticks to Georgia easily, in, or like Fromm doesn't, or he doesn't get injured, I think Eason easily is the top five player in this class. He just, man, having to go from Georgia to Washington, that's tough. Can we at least agree that this class wasn't nearly as good as maybe some of the ones we've talked about in the past on the no, show? No, 2015 was outrageous. Right. And then you were- that, that took me like 30 minutes to decide. Like, I just I went back and forth on so many players. Yeah, this one was like, oh, well, there's a pretty clear top eight, at least. Yeah, yeah. And there for me, there was a clear number. Like, the, the top three was, like, pretty clear for me, at least. I mean, maybe not for you, Mr. Dexter Lawrence is the best I don't know. In class. I, don't know what's, I have no idea what's wrong with that. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a monster. Uh, we have a lot of Clemson listeners, so, like, that, I'm probably going to catch major heat yeah. on that. Yeah. But You're welcome, Zach. Um, How many Houston listeners do we have? Yeah, probably not many. I don't there know. Uh, probably none. But guys, we're gonna move. We're we're gonna move on here. Third segment of the day, and guys, we have a two part recruiting update today. We but we want to start here by discussing the commitments of Tony Grimes and Caleb Williams, which really shook off the recruiting lam- landscape here. We, I mean, Gr- we don't have what? to. We don't, we don't <laughs> have no, to we, do that. we have to, man. We have to. But Grimes is the number one 
cornerback and the number seven player nationally, while Williams is the number one quarterback, number four player in the country. Both are five stars, of course, being top ten players in the country. But Grimes kicked this off by taking his talents to North Carolina, which just keeps the outrageous momentum of Mac Brown going and gives UNC a top three class in the country. Williams decided to finally keep the long line of elite quarterbacks going in Nor- going to going to Norman by committing to the Oklahoma Sooners yesterday. We're recording Sunday, he committed yesterday on Saturday. So Brandon, let's break these players down for our listeners and w- what their commitments mean. So what do you think of their choices and what are these schools getting in these two players? And we'll start with Grimes here since he committed first. Well, I think North Carolina is just kind of building up what they've already started. Um, Obviously, uh, where where does North Carolina sit right now overall with recruits? Number Aren't three, they like yeah, they're number three nationally, and yeah. they have seventeen commits. It's not like they're Tennessee, who's in the top five because they have twenty three commits already. They only have seventeen <laughs> commits. They have seventeen commits. Eleven of those are four stars. One of them is a five star, and that's obviously Tony Grimes that we're talking about there. Um. You know, I'm not going to give North Carolina as much credit as Zach Wills. I mean, there will be enough of that in just here in just a moment when Zach talks about this. But, um, I, I, th- I think North Carolina is obviously improving. Um, I mean, I think I think Sam Howell's an okay enough quarterback. Uh, Zach may have other words for him, but uh, Tony Grimes is he's a star. I mean, go watch his tape if you haven't. And I know I say that about every single recruiting update. But seriously, go watch this kid's tape. It's incredible. There's a reason that he's that he's uh, the top-rated cornerback in the country, and he's the number seven player nationally. Um, I, I don't know. He, he's it, it's weird to me. I, I'm I'm kind of curious um, how much North Carolina has bumped up the recruiting budget. If you know what I'm talking about, over the past few years to be getting the kind of recruiting classes they're getting. Um, but I mean, good for them, right? Uh, I don't know what else to say, but good for them. Um, it's, it's a very talented player they're getting here in Tony Grimes. Listen, you are understating this kid so much, and it's time for the hype train to get going, guys. Um, I mean, to be to say this kid's talented or a star is an understatement. This kid is elite. I mean, he's going to start day one in Chapel Hill, and this kid's one of the best DB prospects I have seen personally since we started analyzing this stuff, I mean, six foot, he weighs about 180, but he's going to carry a bit more weight. And being only 17, a junior, I'm predicting he's going to end up a little bit taller than that, 6162, when it's all said and done. And guys, my favorite thing with DBs is speed. And in one clip of this guy, they tracked him with some speed software. I don't know. I'm not up to date on how how it works, but they tracked him. He accelerated to 19.1 miles per hour in less than four seconds. It's crazy. In the middle in the middle of a game. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? Full pads on grass. They don't play on turf. 19.1 miles an hour in three. I think it was 3.7 seconds. I mean, Insane. I don't know if that's clicking to some of you. But that is, oh, I wish we can cuss, man. It is fast. Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, listen, I don't know about you, Brandon. I would pay an absorbent amount of money to be able to run like that. No, yeah. I, Zach, you and I, we, we can barely drive that fast. All right, let's get 
spend if 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 I took off right now, uh, like it, you could give me you could give me three months and I would not hit 19 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lucky to hit 10 at, at, at best. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Like, my, listen, guys, I live in an apartment complex. The speed limit in the apartment complex is 15 miles per hour. This kid would have to get a ticket if he hit full speed. <laughs> like that is like that is outrageous. But Okay, but back to football here. Um, last season, I mean, forty-eight tackles, four interceptions, and I fully expect him to prove on the improve on those numbers during his senior season. And for UNC, I mean, shifting toward the team in general, I mean, they are putting together an elite class. I mean, Brandon, if I would have told you when UNC hired, you know, Mac Brown, and I told, and I would have told you they had the number three class in the country all the way in July, you would have called me outrageous. No, I, I mean, would have. And ha- so m- the biggest thing here is getting an elite cornerback like Grimes is a must in this conference. I mean, we've talked about it before. Clemson has some quarterbacks lined up ready to compete. They have one more year, we think, of Trevor Lawrence, maybe two. They got the they got the number one, two, depending on what um, recruiting uh, website you use. They got the number one or two quarterback in the country last year, and they're in – they're already looking at some of the best this year and next year. So, I mean, Clemson's going to have one of the best quarterbacks in the country year in and year out from now on. And so having a cornerback like Grimes that could shut down one side of the field is a must if you're going to compete for the ACC, which I think UNC is aiming to do. And I have been saying how impressive UNC is going to be in the future. And everyone's been calling me crazy. Everyone's been not seeing what I'm seeing. But one day, the rest of you are going to jump on this train with me because UNC is winning the ACC within the next three years. And this class being at number three in the country, like Brandon said, with multiple spots left to fill, this class is easily shaping up to be a top five to top ten class this cycle. And I think if Brown lands that and turns to production and like, let's just say they end up in the ACC championship this year. They're probably not beating Clemson. So let's not say that, but they end up there next this year, that recruiting class next year is going to be even better. And I think I, I really don't think UNC and Mac Brown are getting enough credit here and they are building a serious, serious problem up there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't really know too much more to say about North Carolina. You're the North Carolina guy here, and so I'm just going to say good job. (laughs) But, guys, we're going to move on to Williams. We've already broken down the rest of UNC's class. You guys know how good this class is. Um, If you just go through our episodes, uh, you can find the recruiting update from North Carolina a while ago. This was one of the first ones we did, I believe, when they they stole Drake May, the quarterback from Alabama. That's how good UNC is getting at recruiting, and – Brandon, I can't wait to hear your opinion on this one. We got Caleb Williams. So what is your take on Williams and what is your take on Oklahoma right now landing Williams? Yeah, I mean, he's like a he's an okay quarterback, I guess. Um Oklahoma, I mean, they they've got another guy that's I mean, who knows? He he might even sit the bench forever. We we don't really know about this kid. No, obviously he's <laughs> he's a fantastic quarterback. I mean, he's the best dual threat quarterback in this class. He's the number four uh, player in the class. Um, and I wanted him to commit to LSU more than anything in this world yesterday. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's his choice. And I can't fault the kid for wanting to go play for, for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. I mean, we've seen the type of quarterbacks that they've put out. Um, 
it's kind of mind-boggling to me, and Zach pointed this out to me, so I'll go ahead and give you credit for this, Zach, but I don't understand why you want to go sit behind a player like Spencer Radler for a few seasons um, because he's going to have at least two seasons where he's sitting behind him. You'd have to think uh, that leaves him with one, maybe two years that he's actually going to play. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, that, that's kind of an odd choice in my opinion. Um, I, my prediction is that we see one of these two players transfer because I don't think they can be in the same quarterback room. I think that both of them are going to be day one starters, wherever they're at. Um, I just don't, I, I don't know. One of them, ha- whoever gets the starting job will stay. Whoever doesn't, it's going to be at a different program like ASAP. Uh, I don't know, man. So this is an interesting thing. Okay. So I got to ask your opinion on this first. Um, so Lincoln Riley was on the herd, um, national radio show on Fox sports with Colin Cowherd, yeah, it, it but, sucks, but. <laughs> but he said that, um, there's always an open quarterback competition and that Kyler Murray pushed Baker Mayfield for his starting job. Um, and every year they have an open quarterback competition and I don't think that's the case, right? That can't be the case. No. I mean, no way. He's, he he said that Kyler Murray pushed Baker Mayfield and that Radler pushed Kyler Murray um, it, or pushed Jalen Hurts last year. Right. And I, I don't think I, I think he's straight up lying. I don't I don't think there was any way that I really just don't think there was any way that was the case. And like like Brandon said, I did yesterday we were talking. I want to apologize to Brandon on air. I jinxed the crap out of this decision because I told Brandon there was absolutely no way he's going to Oklahoma. I said that it was yeah. going to come down to Maryland and LSU and that there's no way he was going to go to Maryland and sit behind Tua's little brother. And here we are. And, he, and and there were people reporting that it was down to Maryland and LSU. A lot of people were reporting that Oklahoma was out of it. And Kayla Williams shocked the world there. Um, but guys, this kid has the size – I mean, he's 6'1", 210 already. He has the speed. He runs a 4'5", and he has the playmaking ability to step into any system no matter where he committed. And he was going to be a real problem for opposing defenses. I mean, his his pro comparison for 247 two, sports, guys, is Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty good. It, it, if that doesn't make you realize how good scouts and experts think this kid is going to be, then I'm not sure anything me or Brandy could say in this segment could get it to get it like into your head how good everyone he's, thinks this kid he's a six one russell wilson how is that not the most terrifying thing you've ever heard well, that's that's a problem that's insane i, <laughs> I mean it, it, i don't i don't even know what to say about this kid guys i mean just go watch his film i mean he is this kid is electric i mean he might not have the stats that blow you away but the the district he plays in up in dc is really really competitive i mean there's no question that he's facing some of the best high school competition in the country um and last year he threw for over 2600 yards 26 touchdowns with only seven interceptions and his sophomore year not even a full year playing had over 1200 yards passing with 12 touchdowns and only two interceptions so this kid doesn't turn the ball over a lot his biggest problem though according to all the scouts has and just kind of researching this kid is his accuracy is not a very accurate passer which is what we've seen out of oklahoma with jalen hurts kyler murray and baker mayfield being some of the most accurate passers and 
in, in their respective years of college football. So I think he's going to have to have a, at least a year of development before he steps into Lincoln Riley's or Lincoln Riley's offense and really goes after Rattler, who was probably one of the most accurate quarterbacks coming out of high school in his class. But his best quality, guys, is we say that we we see this a lot with dynamic athletic quarterbacks is his ability to make plays outside the pocket when things break down on the field. I mean, he can get out the pocket and make plays down the field, or he could take it with his feet and run and make and punish secondary. I mean, you can't just arm tackle this kid. I mean, he's almost six two two ten. He's running through DBs who just think they can, you know, use poor form. But guys, Oklahoma will have one year Spencer Rattler this year. And I think Caleb Williams can compete with Spencer Rattler and whoever loses that QB competition, like Brandon said, I think is out of there. I don't think I don't think either of these guys are sitting around waiting because I think both of these guys have the have the talent to be top ten college football quarterbacks when things are all said and done. Right, absolutely. And it would be different if if Oklahoma was only getting one year of Spencer Rattler, but they're not. They're getting at least two more seasons. So it's, I don't, I don't know. I can't see either one of these quarterbacks wanting to sit around and wait for more than a year. Spencer Rattler won't wait one year. Uh, Caleb Williams might wait one year, but I don't know. It's, let me ask you this, Zach, and I know it's just going to hurt me. So I don't really know why I'm asking it. Um, So I think, I think we can both agree. The reason that Caleb, Caleb Williams is going to Oklahoma right now is because of Lincoln Riley and the types of quarterbacks that he's produced at Oklahoma. Do you think that this story would be being told ah, would be told any differently right now if Joe Brady would have stayed at LSU this season? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I really do. I think. I think. I. I, I think LSU in general would be looked at differently if Joe Brady stays. I think. Right. I mean, LSU's putting together a really good wide receiver class right now. Let me not say anything bad about that. I mean, we can talk about that in another episode. But LSU's had a good string of wide receiver and commits, and they're. In the running for a lot of good offensive players right now, but I think Caleb Williams, there's no way. I, I think LSU was second regardless. I don't think Maryland was a real factor here, but I really think as Joe well, Brady don't was. Don't say that. We've, we've seen Maryland step in and, and take recruits from LSU. So let's, I, let's I, 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 don't, I don't think, I really, really don't think Maryland was a factor, if I had to say, especially because they got Tua's little brother, Talia. For to to step into the quarterback role, I, I really don't think Maryland was as big of a factor as you would think. Um, and I really think if Joe Brady was at LSU, I think Caleb Williams would be an LSU Tiger right now. I really, honestly believe that, and yeah, I'm sure you also think that. Yeah, I, I would like to not think that, but it's 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 what kept me up last night, and yeah. So let's, maybe tonight we'll see. We'll, we'll find out what happens tonight. <laughs> we'll definitely see but guys we're gonna move on here last segment um and it's an it's like i said two-part recruiting update today it's our normal recruiting segment and today we're going to talk about brandon's favorite team the alabama crimson tide um you know they they're trying to follow up a top two class last season a top uh, one of the top SEC classes as well. And Saban's looking to re- rebound from the very first season with no playoff appearance for the Crimson Tide. And right now this class is headlined with eight top 300 recruits, and the Crimson Tide still have over 15 spots left in the class. So this class is going to be a top 10 class, guys. Do not worry. 
Uh, Brandon, what is your take on this class so far? And do you see Alabama rebounding this season and moving forward into future seasons? Well, to me, Zach, it's it's crazy that they're ranked number 12 right now in the country um, with only 10 commits. Uh, it just tells you how good their commits are right now. Um, they have two five stars in J.C. Latham and uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. Um I mean, but other than that, I mean, their their recruiting class is just stacked, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Um, I think that quarantine and coronavirus has has really um, affected Alabama's recruiting. Uh, I'm not sure if Nick Saban knows how to operate a telephone, so that might be the biggest issue here. But I don't know. I, I mean, to me, it's weird they only have ten recruits right now. I mean, is that not like the biggest red flag to you right now? Yeah, it, it was shocking. I mean, we covered Alabama's recruiting class when we first started this segment when they only had one recruit and they were ranked outside the top 60. Their only recruit was – um who which one was it? I, I forgot. Oh, yeah, it was Deontay Lawson out of Mobile, Alabama, Mobile Christian. He was the only commit, and it was like mid-March. Yeah, and I mean if we're looking at this a month ago, I mean Alabama only had like – only had like six commits. That's nuts. I mean, they have 10 now, but they've had four in the past month. I don't know. It's, I don't think anything's going on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and claim, oh, there must be something going on. I don't think there is. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird to me that, that if you were, if we were recording this one month sooner, we'd be looking at six commits at Alabama. Hey, but they've been picking up steam. Let me tell you. I mean, they have been. For the past month. That's, that's nothing to lie. I mean, that's crazy. It it is amazing, and you know I want to talk about their top recruits. I mean, you can ch- chime in too. We always cover at least the top two, and then we have some underrated guys. But J.C. Lantham is a monster, guys. I mean, yeah. it, 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 he's down in IMG Academy. We know the type of talent that comes out of there. But Brandon, I want to talk to so yeah. you. Know we we always report the composite. He's seventeenth of the composite. Have you peeked at what two four seven ranks him? No, I haven't. Third overall. Are you serious? I, no, I they have, have no idea. They have him number three, and I guess other recruiting sites don't have him as high. But I mean, this kid is a. I mean, Brandon, as a sophomore, six six three oh five already. Right, no, that's insane. And he, I, I think he's. I so personally, I think this kid is going to be a first round pick in the future. I know two four seven does as well. I mean, per, I, I think. So I'm trying to think who who we covered. Um, I don't remember the team. There was another offensive lineman who he kind of reminds me of that we've covered. But, I mean, he transferred from Wisconsin down to IMG because IMG wanted him to come down and play for their play for their team. And he was a defensive player as a freshman and sophomore and just recently switched to the offensive side of the ball. Which is nuts. I mean, to, to even just think about because those – I mean, if you're looking at offensive versus defensive line, there's that's just like a whole world of difference. And to think I mean, that he is is ranked by two four seven as the third best player in the country right now is, but I mean, it's just bananas. This guy's the next Alex Leatherwood. I'm just telling y'all that that's my comparison for him. I think he is going to step right into the tackle spot. And he is going to be a three to four year starter. I think Alabama loses some offensive linemen next year and just look for Lantham to be in that starting lineup. And I mean, there's not a lot of stats to talk about with offensive linemen, as we all know, but 
one look at the film and you could tell that this dude is a mauler. And I mean, being six, six as a junior, I mean, his length just pops out on film. I mean, the defensive lineman can't get their hands inside and it, he is, it's outrageous. And Brandon, you know, I want to talk about how much he grew, how much he grew. He weighed in at 279 pounds at the opening in 2009, in 2019 in February. He weighs 305 now. Well, I'm sorry. How much was he in in February? Two seventy nine. Yeah, that's a pretty big jump. I mean, this kid's putting on weight. They don't have his height listed, but I'm assuming he grew a little taller as well. So, I mean, this kid is a grown man as a junior, and I think next year IMG is going to be exactly what we expect. I mean, let's not lie. IMG is always competing for high school championships, and they're the best, one of the best teams in the state of Florida, and this kid's going to be a problem. And guys, if you want to talk about future first round offensive lineman from Auburn, JC Lantham is your guy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And secondly, Jacory Brooks, second, the other five star in this class, two, four, seven has him as a four star in their, uh, their own ranking 60th overall. So a little flip here. So it looks like two, four, seven's way higher on Lantham than other people and not as high on Brooks as other people, which is funny, but this kid's, Another Jerry Judy, in my opinion. I know that's a lot to put on a guy, but he's 6'2", 180 right now. Or he's 6'3", 180, my bad. And he runs a 4'8", right now. I think that's going to get better. But he has a 4'3", shuttle, which is flying. And his pro comparison is Cortland Sutton, which one of the best wide receivers in the NFL right now. And for me, guys, I think he's he's not a Devontae Smith burner. We'll get to someone who could be that a little bit later. But... He is just a route runner, and he just out-disciplines defensive backs, and that's how he gets open. And, you know, he's also running track, but I don't think he's just – I don't think he's someone that you just put on a fly route and go. This is a guy that you can put over the middle. You can run complicated route trees, which we've seen Alabama have those wide receivers, and Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be an instant contributor when he gets on campus. Yeah, he will be. Um, now, you comparing him to Jerry Judy, that's a little – for me, it's a little much. Uh, I do see him being a great wide receiver, but I mean, Jerry Judy's just a whole different level. Um, so yeah, that, that was a lot to put on a kid, but um, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think he's going to be a. I mean, he's going to be a uh, a game changer day one in Tuscaloosa. Um, I mean, he's already coming in at six three one eighty five. I mean, he's a big wide receiver. Uh, I could see him putting on a little bit more weight, even, and just I mean. I don't know, and just becoming unstoppable, I guess, is, is the only step up from there. <laughs> because, I mean, like I said, 6'3", 185 as a receiver is giant. I mean, that's giant. Um, especially, I mean, he, he's a junior in high school. Or I guess now he's a senior, but uh, he was a junior in high school when that weight was taken. So it, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what kind of uh, what he contributes to this football team next season. Uh, uh, you see, like, so I don't know if he's going to be just as good as Judy, but I'm just saying, like, he, his, his play, like, what he looks like on film reminds me of Judy coming out of high school. It, yeah. So I don't know if he'll be as good, but I mean, he put up 99 catches for 1,200, for over 1,200 yards and 18 touchdowns last year as a junior. That's, that's crazy. That, that's pretty out, outstanding. I mean, he plays basketball and he, and he runs track. Um, you know, he, they won the 4A state title in Florida last year. That's 
pretty good. And he was a he was a max prep all American, and he was an all all county first team selection for for the Miami Herald. So this kid's racking up awards, and to 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 stick out in an area like like Miami from Booker T. Washington High School. I mean, this kid is a stud, and personally, I think he even moves up in the rankings. And I think Brooks is the perfect replacement for the exodus of wide receivers i think we're going to see from alabama this year i mean yeah they, they, they've lost they're going to lose a lot of talent over these next years i mean they already lost multiple players like judy this this year and rugs this year and next year they're going to lose even more with Devonte smith and waddle so right. i think brooks is going to have the ability to play immediately at in tuscaloosa right. and i don't think you see that very often yeah i, I will say have you seen his uh some of his like and I don't want to say stats. Like, have you seen his forty yard dash time? Yeah, yeah, four eight is a little slow. Um, yeah, but uh, but Judy didn't burn the didn't, didn't burn the forty up either. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between not burning it up and running a four eight. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it seems a little slow. Hey, J- that was also that was also a what? sophomore. I mean, that was that was I mean, four. Uh, Brayden, you were the one that like we had a whole segment on this show about how the forty yard dash didn't mean a single thing. You know, call as this kid receiver, out on his forty. As a receiver, as a receiver, I think it does mean a single thing. We we talked about how Jerry Rice ran like a four eight. That's fine, he's Jerry Rice. I mean, I'm watching. I mean, I've watched this guy's tape, and I think he's good. I think he's great. Even I just, I think not that Jerry he, Rice. He a, <laughs> no, he's not Jerry Rice. And I think that if he would add more speed. I mean, even his shuttle. I mean, he he has a four three. He has a four three four shuttle. Um, I, I think that could be improved on. Um, and it, and like I said, these these stats would be taken from February of 2019. So obviously, these have probably changed uh, a little bit at least. He may have gotten faster. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I definitely like to see some improvement on that end. No, I understand that. I mean, his 40 kind of worries me, but I'm, I'm all right right now. He's just in high school. I mean, if there's one thing you can say about Alabama, once those players get in there, I think it's either your potential pops or it doesn't. And I think he's one of the players where a little bit of work and development is going to go a long way in, I guess, making him a real factor in terms of the like the receiving position to Alabama. But I want to move on my underrated recruit in this class. It's tough, Brandon, because they don't have a lot of players that are real <laughs> not rated very high. I mean, I, right. what, what their their worst player is a top 500 player. Right. No, it's nuts. I, and I mean, we, we're talking about I've I've picked players that were outside the top uh, 1000 to top 1200. And I, I feel like I'm cheating here, Brandon, but he's one of the lower-rated players in this class. I mean, he's 155th overall, so he's one of the lower-ranked players in this class, which is just outrageous in my opinion. And it's Kane Williams out of Marrero, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, he picked Alabama over teams like Florida, Auburn. I'm probably assuming LSU was probably a factor being out of Louisiana. But he's a safety, guys, and... I'm really, really excited for this kid. I mean, we've talked about some of the safeties that Alabama's had. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is probably mine and, one of mine and Brandon's favorite players. And this kid already, as a sophomore, this was as a sophomore, he ran a 4-3, Brandon. Right. And had a 32-and-a-half-inch vertical. He's already he's already 6'2", 205. And, oh, I mean, incredible. That's, I mean, that's really big for a safety, too, by the way. 
Yeah, and Brandon, as uh, throughout his sophomore and junior season, he has over 123 tackles, 10 pass breakups, 10 interceptions, and four forced fumbles. And that's bad. that's and he's playing in a state of Louisiana that has a pretty competitive high school circuit, I would I would say. And yeah. just just watching his film, man, he pops off the screen. I think he I think he's a great hybrid player. We say this with other players like Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, etc. This kid could play both safety spots. He has the speed and physicality to play in the slot as a cornerback, or even just play quarterback with his speed and his size. He really can put him up against these possession wide receivers as you would call them and like you said he's really big for a safety so you can walk him down into the box as an outside linebacker and I think that's something that Nick Saban really values in safeties that we've seen throughout his time at Alabama or players that he can put wherever depending on the team they play they can play multiple spots depending on if you have a player like Clyde Edwards Hilaire that you need a safety to really match up to his physicality and his ability to catch out the backfield or you play a team team like Auburn that has Seth Williams that's a long rangey wide receiver that you really need help shutting down and you know I, I think he's shown good ball skills I mean 10 interceptions in two seasons is outrageous and he's a big physical guy and you could see that by his forced fumbles and just listening his how big he is I think you can tell that this kid really really brings the boom when he closes in on ball carriers and he I, I think his athleticism is underrated. And for me, I think this kid is going to be a real X factor. And yes, he, you know, he's is one fifty fifth overall. And that is what it is in my opinion. But I think this kid easily could be a top hundred recruit. And I think he's underrated from even where he is, because I think this kid should be one of the best safety prospects in this class. Right. Um, and, and like you said, to start, there's not a lot of underrated players on Alabama's uh, recruit list <laughs> at all. Um, I couldn't really pick anybody that was like super underrated, like that was flying under the radar that we should watch out for. So I'll agree with Zach here. I, I mean, I saw Kane Williams, this film, um, very impressive. Uh, I, I wanted to go with Deontay Lawson here. I wanted to go with the hometown kid, uh, <laughs> but I mean, being ranked 111th overall, it, that, just, that just doesn't seem like somebody's flying under the radar for me. So um, he's very much on the radar. I mean, he was probably one of the most highly touted recruits in the country. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, it's it, it's crazy to think that, and he's like there. I mean, they have ten recruits. What what is he? He's their fifth ranked recruit right now. Uh, I mean, he's halfway down that list at 111. So I, I didn't. I couldn't just choose one player here. Um, I felt like. Like you said, picking Kate Williams is kind of cheating. Um, I just I, I didn't have anybody that really like stuck out that way. I mean, they're all in the top five hundred. I mean, that that speaks for itself. We've covered teams that only have like three top three hundred players or something like that, and Alabama has all their recruits in the top five hundred. That just shows you the the level of player Nick Saban is really getting in Tuscaloosa. And a lot of people, you know, we were a little worried because it is odd for them to be so lowly ranked in the middle of March. But now we see July 5th. They're just waiting for players to commit. A lot of these top-rated players have a lot of decisions to make because they have to pick between Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson. I mean, th there's some big decisions there, and a lot of these players wait till National Siding Day and stuff like that. So just hang on for Alabama because this class is going to be top five, guys. Just 
I need you. I just have a little bit of patience, and Nick Saban's going to get this thing in the right spot if he already has it by some people's standards. Right. Absolutely. But guys, that is the end of this episode. Holy oh man, we we gave y'all an hour <laughs> and fifteen minutes of content. Um, yeah, this one this one was a long episode. I hope it makes your Monday commute a lot better. You know, it's not even your commute, man. I hope it just makes your entire Monday better. You're gonna have to listen to this one in segments. But we definitely appreciate all of you guys listening, man. Uh, social media as always: Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Um, listen guys. Um, I don't know exactly when we're going to come out with a full length episode. Again, we have some interviews set up with some big name guys. So look for that Thursday. We got an interview coming out next Monday. We most likely have an interview coming out. We'll keep you guys updated on social media and all that. We're going to hold the names till the episodes come out. Cause want to give it a little bit of surprise for you guys, but we're going to be talking some big time football with these guests. And we're really appreciative that they wanted to come on. Um, Guys, you can find the podcast everywhere. Like we've told you repeatedly, go to our website, the bluebloodspod.com. Um, you can find all the links to our episodes there. Um, rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate all of you guys for real. Um, but we'll be back soon. But you guys keep listening. Tell all your friends and family. We'll keep dropping episodes. That's how it goes. But for right now, guys, we out. <laughs>